0: We are going to continue our series today on um, stewardship and what it means to be responsible with the resources God has given us. So if you could, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to continue a a passage of scripture that was started last week by the uh, three-headed fine ministry team. They ministered in each service. So it was Pastor June Oh, the leader of our Korean congregation, Pastor Jared Green, who is our outreach director for this congregation, and then Pastor A.J. McGraw, who is our small group slash connection and assimilation director for this house. And I thought they all did a fabulous job in presentation. You are really blessed as a congregation to be able to have not just competent ministry every Sunday morning, but a very deep bench of young people who are rooting for one another. They have no envy one toward another. They know that there's enough room in this house for them to fulfill their ministry at the highest level according to their giftedness. And they're all uh, patting one another on the back and say, that was great. They love each other deeply and they love you. And if something were to happen to me or the entire group of mature folks in my generation, <laughs> they would take it and they'd do a good job because they not only have the competency, but they have the heart. They want to help win the city and they want to train people to be disciples and leaders. And so that is our goal as mature believers to train the younger ones so that they can do what they should do well. I was really pleased with the presentation. They spoke on verses 6 through 9. And today we're going to finish that particular passage with 10 and 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 10 and 11. The title of the message is The Supply. The Supply. It says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And you will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. Lord, help us as we study. I want to talk about today the supplier, the multiplier, and the blessed. The supplier, the multiplier, and the blessed. Paul is working hard to help the church at Corinth understand how important it is for them to give. And you have to remember, most of the churches that Paul established were probably primarily Gentile in their orientation, meaning they were us. But the version of us that exists in America at least understands something about the responsibility to give back. If we don't understand anything about 10% culturally, we do understand how distribution of resources and benevolence is important. There may not be a lot of people who do it, but it's in the back of our cultural brain as a nation. The Jewish people understood about regular sacrifice and tithes and offerings. But when, when you, the further you got from Israel, the smaller the Jewish population became. And so when you look at, look at Corinth, it was probably, maybe, we don't know, but 70% Gentile that had no idea about 10% of anything and rarely um, established regular giving to anything on a regular basis. And so Paul is trying to help them by educating them about how important it is to make sure you are a distributor of the resources that you've got, not just a consumer. So we've got to build an entire culture. Now it might be that you fit in the category of the Corinthians that is without knowledge. And if so, my hope would be that this series would perk up your ears. Your Your understanding would grow. If you do have some knowledge and maybe have been derelict in your responsibility, you'd be reminded. And... If you're right on point, giving, tithing, offering, distributing your resources as much as you possibly can, you would be encouraged that on the way is the supply to your life. And be thankful as to how God has supplied already. Here we we, we see that Paul has ministered. If you sow, you're going to reap. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound in every good work. That is a passage before. Beautiful. And then he says... He is a supplier of two things. One, seed to sow, and two, bread for food. It doesn't matter whether you have given or not. God is your supplier. He is the one that allows you to continue to consume resources on the planet so you can survive, and some of you thrive. He loves people. And that, for, for why, I don't know, except that he created them and he cares about them. But we surely aren't very lovable. Anything that is left that, that residually looks like him surely has faded. Yes, we were made in his image, but it doesn't look like it at all. You got to really pull out the magnifying glass to find something left of God in folks. If he doesn't recreate us, boy, it's hard really hard, because we are always thinking about ourselves. And even when we're thinking about others, we're thinking about ourselves. Meaning when it's time for us to give and, 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 and we're di- distribute and help somebody else, we're thinking, okay, now, wait a minute, i got to make sure I provide for my own. And when we do distribute, we're hoping that somehow it's going to come back to us. And we feel like when we do distribute sometimes, that it really f- makes us feel good. It's, it somehow winds up being about us, not about the other. And so it's hard to find the image of God in any of us. And that we, op- that we go in the opposite direction of who he is on a regular basis just wows me with respect to why he loves us like he does, but he does And he he supplies resources in abundant ways to people who do not say thank you and do not return the favor in kind. He is amazing. He is all of our supply. And regardless of whether you have given your life to him, you need to say thank you. Your mama always told you to say thank you when somebody gave you something. And when you were a little child, somebody gave you something, it was edible, and your thank you sounded like this, thank you. <laughs> it was obligatory, it wasn't heartfelt because you were interested in the, in the thing you got. I'm talking about a heartfelt, not just, thank you, Lord, I love this car, I love this car. I'm talking about a, thank you. He's your supplier. And he supplies in two ways. And it's important that you get this. Because if you confuse these in the wrong direction, you're going to mess up your supply. He supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Now, the interesting interesting thing about this passage is that that I think it, it implies that there's only one person, not two. That all of us are supposed to be sowers. And those who sow can be confident that he also supplies bread for food. He didn't say he supplies seed to the sower and bread to the eater. That'd be two different people maybe. But he said seed to the sower and bread for food. Meaning that we are all supposed to be, if you put it in context of the passage before, we're all supposed to be sowers who reap. And if we sow then we can be confident that God is going to give us a harvest. But the problem is is sometimes fear sets in. And when fear sets in, we no longer become sowers, we become eaters. We become consumers. And we only look at the God who supplies the bread for food, not the seed for sowing. Are you listening this morning? I'm trying to educate you on the context of the passage. This is important that you get it because Paul is trying to communicate something to Gentiles who have no idea about the biblical pattern of giving. And they think somehow that everything on the planet that they receive is supposed to be just for them. We are innately supposed to be sowers. Why? Because we are made in his image. And God is a giver. What did he do except to create the planet, make it a fruitful place? Bushes, trees, fruit-bearing things, and then animals that, that, the animal, that, that could be used for Adam to be able to help multiply and produce stuff from the earth. They weren't supposed to be eaten in the beginning. They weren't. They were supposed to be servants. That's all the animals were. That doesn't mean you can't eat them now. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> a- Adam and Eve were vegetarians. Said, I've given you plants for food. That's it, plants. Now, yesterday, I had a really good steak, I ain't mad at people who aren't vegetarians. I'm not mad. If you want to be a vegan, good on you. But I'm going to enjoy my cow every once in a while. <laughs> but the animals were, were supposed to be servants, they weren't supposed to be friends, not compatriots, not family members. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to stop talking about animals. <laughs> I'm going to stop it because every, I get so many emails. I'm going to stop it. I'm going to, let me tell you why I do it. Because so, so many people re, replace people with animals. And, 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 and I am grateful that animals can be a support. Therapy dogs, they reduce blood pressure in people's lives. I get it. I really do. I am not trying to reduce the usefulness of an animal to the, to, for the benefit of humanity. But I want you to understand the core reason as to why that is the case, that they have become so much more helpful than God intended in the beginning. It's because we are so messed up. We are so, people are supposed to be our greatest supply. Adam, I'm going to give you help. A helpmate who's like you, who can help you. See, when Adam looked around, he saw the animals, and God said, I want to give you a helper. He couldn't find anything that was suitable. We find a lot of four-legged animals that are suitable. We throw off people and bring in a dog. And we call it unconditional love. It's not unconditional. They just can't talk. (laughs) If they can talk, you take them to the shelter tomorrow. (laughs) I really like animals. I just don't love them. I love people. I treat animals well. They should be treated well. Care for them. But they aren't us. And I am jealous for people growing up to, to receive the supply God intended. And that's other people to be your help. Hmm. How'd I get on that? <laughs> the, the, the trees were supposed to be the supply. And God gave all this. He gave it. He gave it. And you wonder why God doesn't just come in and fix everything if he's God. If he's all powerful, why doesn't he just fix all of the things that are messed up? Because he gave it to man. And he's not trying to take it back. He's trying to help us remanage. And he's a giver. He gave life. He gave stuff. And he said, go. Go. We're supposed to be the same kind of of distributors having the same heart and spirit. And so we are supposed to be sowers. That's what you've been created to be, a sower, not a consumer. And God says he supplies seed to the sower. He'll give you stuff. The problem is this. Every time you get seed to sow, you eat it. You think it's food. He says he will supply seed to the sower and bread for food. He'll give you both, but if you sow your, if you eat your, the, the seed you're supposed to sow, you will not have the harvest you need when you need it to come in because you've eaten your seed. He supplies in every way. And what you have to believe for is this, that when he supplies seed to the sower, that he will also supply bread for food. And if you get confused and fear comes in, you'll begin to eat your seed for sowing as bread for food. And as a result, you won't have the harvest that you need. And that's where faith comes in, whereby you have to now say, okay, I know this is seed for sowing. This 10% that I'm supposed to give called, called tithing, that is part of my seed for sowing. I'm not going to consume that because I am robbing myself of my future harvest. Are you listening? And then you wonder, as you consume that 10%, why you don't have what you need next month? Why you don't have what you need the next month? And the next. Well, it looks like I'm going I'm to take away from my bread for food if I sow what I know that I should sow, but I need to eat. Wh- what am I going to do now? Trust Him. Because He is the God who provides the bread for food, too. And that's where we get to grow in our faith of saying, this is my seed for sowing. Now I'm going to trust him for my bread for food. I'm going to trust him every day because my God is faithful. He said he would do this. And that's where we begin to grow. Now, that's where the the problem comes in is you you switch the idea of what seed for sowing and bread for food is. But if you go the other direction and you actually make a mistake with respect in your own mind, not in God's, with respect to now taking your bread for food and using it as seed for sowing, meaning he provided you actual stuff you can consume, but now you've used it for sowing. When you do that in faith, it doesn't work to your disadvantage. It only works to your disadvantage if you take the seed for sowing and use it for food. But it doesn't work in your, your, your disadvantage if you take the, the food, the bread for food, and use it as seed for sowing, evidence. First Kings seventeen, Elijah, famine in the land hadn't rained in a long period of time. God provided for Elijah by a brook called Cherith, and ravens would come and bring him food every day. Drought caused the brook to dry up. God said, "I want you to go to a widow that I provided for you in a place called Zarephath." It happens to be north uh, of Israel, probably about 50 or 60 miles in Phoenicia, what we would now call uh, Lebanon, close to Syria. It's on the coast. and He said, a widow there will provide for you. This woman was not Jewish. She had no, as we know it, real faith, uh, She was somebody who God just appointed. And there were very few options in Israel because Elijah had been the one who had called the famine on the land and he was public enemy number one. Everybody was looking for him to kill him because he had brought a curse on the land. Now he did so because there was disobedience in the monarchy, the kingship, and those kings wouldn't listen to God or anything he had to say. So he was trying to get their attention through judgment. But everybody was mad at him now and they wanted him apprehended. And so he had to go outside the country to find help. And he went to this widow. Well, the famine extended up to there. The area was then called Phoenicia, way up to there. And uh, he saw this widow in this town, and he said, uh, dear widow, and she was gathering sticks. He said to the woman, I don't know if he knew she was a widow, but he said to the woman, well, well, God said she was a widow. Anyway, he said to the woman, bring me a little water now it's a drought bring me a little water we had to sign up for our hospitality team hospitality was the order of the day and still is for the Middle East if you had nothing and somebody came to your house to ask for your nothing you gave it to them why? because you always extended kindness to somebody else the order of the day that's how we practice here in this church i'm begging you volunteer hospitality is something that's core to us we want to treat everyone who comes to us not just our guests but those who walk through our door well every day and in order to do that we need a team of volunteers i beg you volunteer help because you it's at some level have been benefited by somebody serving you well he says give me some water very bold for a prophet considering he's the one that caused the drought And there's no water to give. And this woman who is gathering sticks to make a fire for whatever she's going to prepare, does so. And as he sees her willingness to get him water in the midst of a drought, he says, Oh, and by the way, could you please make me a little cake and bring it to me? He doesn't know this woman. But he knows God has told him that there's a person that's supposed to supply and he thinks this is that person. And she says to him, (laughs) Um, maybe you haven't noticed, but there's been a drought and we haven't had any harvest in a little bit. I'm embellishing now. We haven't had a harvest. And by the way, I'm gathering sticks. I've got a little oil and a little flour in my cupboard. And it's enough to make one bread cake. And my boy and I are going to eat it. Then we're going to die. That's what she says to the prophet. He says this. Make me a cake first. And neither will the oil nor the flour run out. You, you have to have some spiritual stuff to tell a widow who's got one son who just told you she only has enough for him and her to eat and die, to say, make me a cake first. You got to know something on the inside. He wasn't being mean. He wasn't being selfish. He was helping her understand... I know God has provided bread for food, but you don't have enough as it is. Give it. And watch how it will become seed sown. And you will have a harvest when everybody else doesn't. Sometimes you need to give what you've got in order to get what you can't live without. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. There is no no judgment or disadvantage to sometimes giving your bread for food as seed for sowing. Because then all you're doing is increasing the possible harvest that is coming to you. And you've got to enlarge your faith at that moment to say, Okay, I know this is bread for food for me. I know it is. But this is an opportunity for me to distribute in such a way that's unusual, which means an unusual harvest will be on the way. I don't know why I'm not getting more amens. I don't. I'm really enjoying myself preaching this one. But there is a great disadvantage if you take your seed that he has applied specifically for sowing and eat it. God is your supplier. Trust him in it. it turns out that the, 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 I don't know how, the oil nor the flour ran out so every time every day she got up and pulled out a cup of flour to make whatever she needed to make for her and her son she didn't reduce the amount of flour that was in the bowl and every time she poured the oil she didn't reduce the amount of oil that was in the flask and every day she was thinking i'm glad i fed that dude i am glad i fed that dude Woo!" On top of that, there's so many other blessings, I don't have time. But this is what our God does. He provides for you. He loves us like that. Secondly, he's a multiplier. And he, he is the supplier of seed for sowing and bread for food. And as a result of you doing right with the stuff he's given you, he will multiply, listen, he will multiply your seed for sowing. So when you use your seed for sowing as you should, God says, let me give you more seed for sowing so you can increase the harvest of your righteousness. (laughs) Meaning, the harvest of righteousness means whatever you do right, you're going to have an increase on top of that. And it's not just an increase, it's addition. He says he will multiply your seed for sowing so that he can increase the harvest of your righteousness to the degree of the multiplication. And that's exponential because you know when you put one seed in the ground, it's a real failure if you have a plant that produces that same seed. One in the ground, three months later, one seed. Woo! Wait, 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 wait. Why did I wait four months for nothing? I could have eaten that thing. The reason people sow It's because they know from one seed they might get a hundred. So if God multiplies your one and makes that one now four, then when you plant four, you now have four hundred, which is which has exponentially increased your one. Again, I'm enjoying my preaching. You must not be. I don't know what's wrong this morning. There's not a connection. It's probably me. It's not you. It's me. It's me. (laughs) Multiply your seed for If you do this thing called sowing, if you give of your resources, this is how God supplies. And I am evidence, and so are all the people who have stuck in here with God long enough in order to make sure the harvest they could see. They didn't just run away from it. They didn't quit. They actually waited. And all of a sudden, they came in. They go, Whoa, oh, I'm glad I gave last year. Glad I w- Glad God helped me be faithful. He increases the harvest of your righteousness. And then why? <laughs> so that there can be a sense of being blessed, that he might enrich you. Now, Paul is trying... He's trying to communicate to these Gentiles who don't have any clue about old covenant patterns of what it means to be blessed. They haven't read Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14. They haven't read it. If you obey me and and you give and you do what you're supposed to, I'll make sure your cupboards are full and your sheep bear twins and your your, your vines don't cast their grapes in the field and your cupboard, I'll I'll bless you in every way If if you obey me. They haven't read that. And so Paul is bringing to them new exhortations that allow them to understand the goodness of their God. And he says, and my God will enrich you. He will really give you an abundance. That's how much he cares, especially about the people who choose to partner with him in ministry efforts. Sowing, giving to the kingdom." Allowing the purpose of your resources to advance his cause. Listen, he's into blessing people who are into his causes. He wants to help those folk do it because all the resources help to expand his kingdom. He wants to bless those who bless him. And it's not that he doesn't bless people who don't. He is He is unusually kind like that. But He he unusually partners with people who partner with him. Are you listening to me? The first is out of mercy. The second is out of faithfulness. He provides for people in the world because he cares. He blesses his own who partner with him because he wants to advance his cause and make them understand what it's like to be with him in ministry. It's a real blessing. This is part of that thing. In in, uh, Matthew 28, Jesus says, Go into all the world, preach the gospel. He's giving this great commission to the disciples. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing in my name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. uh, Make disciples and teaching them to obey everything I told you. And lo, I will be with you always. The presence of God comes in an unusual way. It's not that he's not with you when you don't partner with him. Because he cares. It's that he is with you unusually so when you do. And that presence brings his blessing. When you partner with him financially, when you partner with him with your time, when you get on a plane and go to preach the gospel someplace, he is unusually with you because you have partnered with him in his efforts. And this is where you want to live. You don't want to visit. You, you don't want to make this a monthly commi- a, a, a month one-month commitment. You want to make this a lifestyle. Lord, how can I get my life involved with you in every level? of distributing my time, my energy, my resources to your purposes and making sure I'm sowing well and not eating my seed says he will enrich so that you will have an abundance of liberality now the interesting thing about this word liberality in the Greek and you don't care about what it is but you you may care about what it means It means that you can be increased with all singleness of mind, that you will be so focused on how the blessing has come to you as a result of your sowing, how you have sown, and as a result, you've reaped a harvest, and you're so grateful that God has been faithful to you. Now, you've been enriched, and now all you want to do is resupply the process, that you don't have to figure out, well, where's my next meal coming from? You don't have to go to different places in order to find how in the world you're going to be provided for. You can realize this thing works and it's not formulaic. It's relational. We're not talking about plug and play. We're talking about love, partnership. And when you partner with God like this, all of a sudden he releases things and you don't have to be concerned about how in the world you're going to provide in your retirement. Do this. You can be singly focused because he's going to enrich you to be liberal in your sewing and not have to be concerned about other stuff. I'm not going to try to prime the pump anymore with you. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I obviously don't have it today. Let's pray. Daddy, I love you. Thank you for your goodness and grace. Empower us to be the kind of people who can exercise our privilege of sowing.